there guys, welcome to Grupo Senzalas Podcast, I'm your host, Mestre Pedro, and this is our episode number 44. On today's episode, I'll share with you a conversation that I did with a good friend of mine, Contra Mestre Versace. He's a capoeirista from the US, based in LA, disciple of Mestre Amen, and I actually met him a few years back in the island of Bali. And, you know, I, I think after an event, I was still in the island and I heard that was this capoeirista that was doing a workshop at a, a mutual friend of ours academy. So I went there to check it out. It was a small workshop and I, you know, introduced myself, offered to, you know, play Birimbao for the Roda. And afterwards we talked and I said, look, once a year I do an event here, you know, I think you just missed this one, but for next time if you're around, you will be more than welcome. And he, he, he actually did come. And it was amazing. He came out the year after that. And, uh, you know, so it became like a thing. Every year we would meet in in, in, uh, in Bali. And he's such a great guy to have at an event. Such a positive vibe and, you know, a great capoeirista. Um, you know, he's, he's also like a, a martial art. He practiced, have practiced many martial arts, still practice, I believe. And we talked about, you know, those projects that the, the pandemic kind of allow us to do you know so he talks about we talk about the the how he's been using capoeira as a healing you know i share a little bit of the, the experience that i did going back uh, um, working with capoeira for refugees and the project that i started so you know we talk about this upcoming movie uh, judas and the black messiah which i hadn't seen then it's great, by the way. But uh, yeah, it was a good conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. Let me know your thoughts uh, in the comments. Share with your friends and don't forget to subscribe. I share. Hi there, guys. Welcome to Group Sanzalas Podcast. Um, today's episode, I have a, a good friend He's sitting right now on the other side of the world, straight from LA. Contra Mestre Versace. How's it going, man? Yeah, really good, really good. Thanks for making um, the time. Yeah, very happy to be here. Uh, it's been a long time, so I'm, I'm glad to be able to catch up with you, especially on this format. Yeah, man, I mean, sorry, I had to have a coffee sip. Um, we, uh, last time we, we were together was what, Bali two, three years ago or something? Mm hmm. Yeah, I think three years ago in Bali. Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a it's a been it's been a crazy year, right? Like uh, I was I just got a notification from from Facebook of like you know a year ago, and then a year ago I was like I I just remember I had no I think a, a week before it hit I had no idea it was gonna hit you know like actually our life was gonna stop and all this and. Um, you know, I, I didn't really want this conversation to revolve around the, the, the pandemic, but it's kind of uh, uh, how, how fast things change once there is a, a, a situation like this, a pandemic. And a lot of things that were under, under the debate, it just becomes, mm -hmm. you know, like there's no more debate. Should we do online classes? No, like should be online teaching or not? It just now, within a week, it was happening. And um, yeah, 
what what uh, I, I I hope you are not directly you know affected but you know every everybody was affected some 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 way but uh, it's also try it's also about for me was like okay what even for my mental health like what can I do hmm. you know what I have control with uh, did you did you start any 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 projects any any new or in old projects that you didn't start, what what have you done? Did you get an extra time, or actually working even more with uh, with your normal work? It's it's been interesting. Um, yeah, the normal work kind of stayed at the same place. Uh, there is some hecticness there at first, but you know my normal work, my nine to five is is IT work. So I work with computers. It was easy to just do that at home. You know, I, sometimes I was out with you in Bali. And after an event, I go and plug in my computer and be doing work for the next five hours. Um, so that wasn't at issue. But the fact that I didn't have to go to the office meant that I had all of this time because I didn't have to commute. And uh, you know, after a while, being stuck inside the house is really a problem because you're just, you know, I live, my brother is my flatmate. So I get to see him, but I don't get to see a lot of a lot of folks. And I, I travel from my bedroom to the living room, to the kitchen, and then back. And, and that was it. So that was, it was really tough. But um, I also found that space to, to actually work on some things that uh, I'd been wanting to work on or had been, as you said, uh, working on before, but not in the same way. Uh, one of the things is I got a darbuka, which is a Middle Eastern drum. Um, you know, I'm North African, uh, among other things, and but I, I've ever never really considered myself a very good Arab, because I I can't play the drum, so I started learning how to play that, and it also that kind of provided me another lens through which to look at Brazilian percussion, so having picked that up and been practicing that, my my atabaki playing got better, which is great, um, but then. Also, I, you know, I do mental health work. So I have a master's in counseling psychology and I did a lot of research. Actually, um, Pichibu introduced me um, to the work of Roberto Freire. Roberto um, Freire, yeah. From the, the, the 60s in Brazil. And you know, I had entered my studies really looking at how, because capoeira is a mix of different artistic modalities, all of which on their own have been studied as healing methods. So I thought, well, if they're all together in the form of capoeira, then capoeira itself can be used clinically as a healing modality, but where to start? And Pitbull um, kind of pushed me towards Freire, and I did a lot of re uh, research there. And the result is that I have... Eh, no, I'm saying like it's yeah, funny this... that you you mentioned Pitbull. We 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 exchange. Uh, it's even funnier that he uh, uh, introduced you Roberto Freire. You know because Roberto Freire became this like this pariah of the right in Brazil, and they they yes, literally yes. wanted to ban him from from education. You know a guy who is cited in Harvard and you know like cited widely in education, and there was this new. Uh, school without party, you know, school without politics, and mm -hmm. trying to to ban because he is like a communist and stuff. And and uh, yeah, we, me and Pitbull as well, we always exchanging 
a message on that. So, and, and how, how is that going? Because it's, it's uh, you know, I, I am also taking this time to do a little bit of something that I wanted to do for a long time, which was the, the, the Capoeira Solidaria idea, you know, which is just mm-hmm. try to have a, a, a look at what is happening on, on social, you know, projects in Brazil, try to, to, to do a research on it and try, try to gather data because there is not a, 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 a you know, like a, a database of, you know, you, everybody knows Capoeira is the biggest cultural export yes. and, and it's widely used, you know, from refugee camps, you know, to kids with, with, uh, with uh, special needs, you know, to, to heal wounds of trauma. But uh, in Brazil, you cannot find like, any information, like just just to know what is happening, where is happening, how many kids, you know, in different states. So I started working working on that, you know, of trying to gather and try to understand what is happening, how it's happening, uh, what is available of like public funds and that kind of thing. So it's been a, a, mm-hmm. a dive into that. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's on one of the ends of, of the, the ratification of the work that I do, uh, that data is going to be necessary. Um, but I have since developing uh, or building on top of what uh, Roberto Freire did, I've been able to work with kids who have uh, who are dual diagnosis, which means that they have a mental health issue alongside of a substance abuse issue. Also with uh, young adults with developmental issues, uh, as well as with couples uh, and individuals. And it's, it's been really successful. Um, I've also been able to bring that work you know, back into the Capoeira community, especially kind of with, you know, as awareness around sexual misconduct kind of peaked uh, with the Me Too movement, uh, you know, there are a lot of people pointing out uh, how certain aspects of the, uh, the culture is endemic in all culture, but that it happens in Capoeira and within the realm of Capoeira, we have the ability to do something about it. Um, and so I created a subset of, of my modality that I call the emboscada. Uh, and, and we would just create a, a workshop. We wouldn't do much to label it. Um, and we do it in different events. Uh, my own event uh, in California, uh, I did it for actually with for Mr. Marcelo. He, he invited me to do it also at his event and invite me in to do a workshop. Don't tell people what it is. And once everybody's in the room, we start talking about sexual misconduct, but we look at it uh, and do these exercises in an, uh, an experiential way, using movement and interaction uh, through the principles of Capoeira that allow people to feel what it's like when your agency is not being respected, when the fact that you've said no isn't being respected, but in a safe way so that you understand how difficult it can be to, uh, to understand consent because it's not, there's so many gray, gray areas. So everybody gets, gets an understanding that much of what it has to be is that we have to put our best foot forward to communicate. If we feel bad about something, we communicate and allow the other person to, to hear what we said, but also, uh, that we sometimes have to be more sensitive to why another person might not be communicating and make sure that they're, they're okay with it. Uh, but it can be done in a way that's not just preaching, not just uh, like an 
uh, an HR briefing, but is very much embodied and uses the principles of capoeira and movement and those types of interactions to really address the feeling and the uh, the subconscious aspects of it. Very, very interesting. And and uh, when you, on your research about you know capoeira as a therapy, did you find a lot of uh, uh, of research already done on it, or how how is that? No. Um, oh, I found a lot of research on capoeira, and I found a lot of research on movement, dance therapy, music therapy, even other aspects of martial arts as therapy, but not capoeira therapy. And then when I looked for Roberto Freire, you know, I got a lot of leads from from Pichibu and from his ex-wife. And the books are not in print. So I was looking for them. I found them in a lot of old bookstores in Brazil, uh, but I would have had to go there to pick them up. Uh, like old bookstores in some corner uh, in Hue <laughs> that they don't ship to the United States or any of that. So I, I had to contact some other folks, uh, get some videos online and just did a lot of third and, and fourth level uh, research. And then also spoke to some of Roberto Freire's st students. Uh, and that's kind of how I, I was able to piece together some of the methodology. But luckily, because again, capoeira is, it can be divided into components of music and movement art and martial art, all of which there's tons of data on. So uh, we just use that as kind of a meta study. I was gonna. I was gonna mention. Do you know the 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 work of uh, Capoeira for Refugees? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because they also have been compiling some some data on on, on you know on on the impact of the of the work. And I had the the you know the privilege of of going there a couple of times. I went to to Palestine. I went to Jordan uh, to see you know do some workshops. Try to bring some some. Uh, some students to come and, and, and witness that as well. And uh, it's, it's amazing the stories that, you know, that they have there, you know, from, from the very early start of how, how the whole thing, you know, it's, it's kind of, if you look back, uh, he said that he actually started when he was teaching Iraqi kids that were refugees in Syria, mm. in the border, yes. in a very poor area, you know, and then they had like this massive UN compound, brand new, And on the first Capoeira class, he was doing with the Iraqi kids, rock stuff flying over the wall. And what it was, wow. it, it was uh, the Syrian kids that were, you know, kind of jealous of the Iraqi kids because they had all this UN input while they were pretty much, you know, like left outside. Yes. And then uh, he managed to slowly, you know, bring the, the, the Syrian kids to, to interact with the Iraqi kids. You know, and the documenting of that journey is what the really priceless uh, data was, you know, of like first the kids came in, but they didn't want to join. They just sat back. And then, uh, you know, one of the kids said, oh, I'm going to play a little bit of the drum. And then within, you know, a couple of weeks, they were, you know, working together. And, and from wow. there, it, it really took off. And, and there is another like, because one, one of the ideas that I really like to to make this podcast is just to tell like little stories that I, I really think people should know about it, you know? And, mm -hmm. and one of those is, is the, is that there was Capoeira being taught inside Raqqa in the, in the height of ISIS, 
You know, I don't know if you heard about that. Like the, the, the guy was, they were in the city before ISIS took over. And then afterwards, yeah. the guy, you know, he didn't do music, but he was saying, oh, I'm just doing sports. And and the, the, that guy was teaching there for quite a while. And, and they were also managing wow. to get him in and out of Raqqa to, to get training to him and come back. And it's an amazing story. At, at the time when I, I interviewed uh, Tarek, yeah, and that's the 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 guy who is who was ahead of the uh, Capoeira for refugees. Mm-hmm. He he couldn't really advertise that he couldn't you know use that as a, as a because the guy was in there and now this guy is 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 in Europe. But it's just it's just amazing how you know Capoeira can can open doors to so you know unlikely you know places and and uh, this is really totally one of the main gifts I guess no. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the, you know, we we sing the songs and we tell the history about how Capoeira led to, you know, freedom in the Quilombos and freedom in in, in Nas Ruas. But I think sometimes it's hard for us to find that contemporary uh, application and, and how it can be uh, really used today uh, in our daily lives. And I think, you know, what you're doing with it, what um, Tarek and his folks are doing with it. What I'm doing with it is is really finding a new relevancy that will take take it even farther beyond into the future. Um, and just even, you know, I I really want to go next time. Uh, you know, you do your work in Iran uh, if if I'm able to, because I mean, saw some of the the pictures of what you were doing there, and uh, I don't know how much you can say about that, but it's it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, Iran is such a, a, a intriguing place, and all that. It's just like this place where the East meet the West. And and uh, in a way, you know, like my, my Iranian friends might not like this comparison, but people, they get such a bad press, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, for somebody who grew up in Rio, you know, that you get kind of like, you, you, you always build up this image of the, the favela, you know, the ghetto being yeah. like, oh, this place and... You know, and what happened is that it's it's a city where it's literally one on top of each other, and they live within totally separated lives. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, this is, was one of the 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 main things that had a, a considerable impact in my life was when I started teaching in a favela nearby my house. You know, I live in Santa Teresa. Mm-hmm. In front of from my house, you can see the the. Where the carnival happens with the samba school, you know, yeah, just in the end of the road starts this this favela. I know, like a, it's, a, it's like three or four favelas, Beco, uh, Falete, and it was in Falete where Mestre Peixinho had a house on top of the, mm-hmm. the favela to teach there. And it's, it's that situation like I knew what happened. I knew that in that area there would be armed drug dealers, you know, and that sometimes would be shooting between them and the police. But to actually go there and and uh, teach, you know, uh, the groups of kids and mm-hmm. just see, for example, how people, you know, you see a bunch of lanky teenagers carrying AKs, forty seven shotguns, hand grenades, <laughs> wow. and and, and uh, like in a in an urban environment, and the people around mm-hmm. is, you know, it's like they're just nobody even looks, you know, and you kind of in, in the beginning you do get. Yeah, a bit uh, 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 shocked. It's intimidating. Yeah, totally. 
but but uh, very quickly you get used to to it you know and and having the the and starting there because you know the the, the experience of arriving there the first day for the class and the kids were coming out everywhere like jumping over the walls and and just swarming the car you know and they were so happy wow. to have capoeira and stuff and and then when I, I actually went to the hall they were show me what they knew which basically meant that they they play fight for like 10 minutes non-stop you know and like tough and like kicking each other fall on the floor kick the door until they were like and then I said, okay, guys, so let's 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 start, you know, let's 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 organize, let's see how you you know take and and do this whole so this whole experience, it had a a, a profound impact on me, because it was then that I felt like uh, today I'm a, I am a citizen of my city, you know, because like not just hanging out in Ipanema Beach, chilling you know, or going to Maracanã to watch the, the, the football, the soccer, as you guys say. Um, but I am also here, you know, doing this, doing this work and just to have this opportunity to give the kids to let go of that energy, you know. And, and uh, at the same time, that was Best Peixinho that put me in touch. And the other, mm -hmm. he also put me in touch with a charity that was working in Cantagalo. Cantagalo is a favela right in Ipanema. I don't know if you know, and and it's like I've heard of it. It it uh, the community center was a, a five star hotel that went wrong. You know, like massive on top of the hill, like with helipad and everything, massive hall, and because wow. of the favela, it didn't go ahead. And I was mm -hmm. I was teaching there like a like kids from different favelas in Rio. And what I did is I I used to have this kind of uh, state car, you know, I was put all the kids from, from one favela, from the you know, Falete uh -huh. to go there with, with uh, and then you realize that the kids from the favela, they don't really leave the favela, you know, they just go from favela, maybe they cross the street to go to the school, yeah. but it, like the rivalry between the, the opposite favela, that means that they don't really go out and then they live in the city, but they live like, there and and just you know so many things that you even though you know that the situation is and that there is this there is violence but there is so many little things that it just goes way over the 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 your head mm -hmm. you know and 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 uh, just just be able to interact and you know that that was a uh, uh, the thing with with uh, with capoeira that you know allowed me to do this and in, so the initial point was how the favela had such a bad press, you know, but you go there, it's, right, it's right, full right. of culture, you know, but in, in a way Iran is similar in the sense that people were scared from the favela, they didn't want to go to the favela. And when I went first time mm -hmm. uh, uh, to Iran, I kind of have to disregard the safety rules of the internet, you know, because the guys got in touch with me via email with a broken up English and say, you know, you want a cooperation, etc. Yeah, fine, man. Uh, you know, uh, eventually he, they offered me to come and said, "Okay, send me your passport for the visa." And I sent like the photo. You know, and said, "No, no, no. Yeah, we need all the pages of the passport." <laughs> and and then, <laughs> and then I thought, <laughs> "What what could go wrong, right?" And then I thought, "Okay, let's not think what could go wrong. Let's just let's just trust. You no, know, the guys are legit." And and it was amazing. The you know the 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 
so many ways they are so similar to brazil you know the thing with the mm -hmm. dance is so strong the the so hospitable you know like when you, if they are yes, yes. almost like every 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 entrance they would stop and i was like what is it no no after you you know and and the, the mm -hmm. only difference between iranians and brazilians that when the iranians start arguing they start talking lower and lower it sounds like almost like crying while brazilians when they start arguing they just go louder and louder <laughs> but they are such a force of martial arts you know like top taekwondo karate you know oh my god yes yes you know and, and in a way i understand like they really don't have like this there's no of course alcohol is forbidden yeah, there is no nightclubs you cannot dance so all the energy gets like <laughs> and, and they are, true, they are amazing true. you know they are amazing amazing guys and and uh, it was such a a privilege to 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 be in touch with a group you know in different cities as well but of young guys you know and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's still going it's uh, it's uh, it's tricky now you know with the whole i was waiting for so long for the the, the nuclear deal to come in and and then the whole thing comes back at it. But I was actually going this year before, like 2020. I was set to go. I had uh, two students that were going with me and uh, two girls. Uh, and the day, the week before or something, the, the company that I was flying to, it got shut down. You remember the, the Ukrainian airline, you know? Yes. And, and and then like they canceled the ticket and like okay and that was the beginning of 2020 right like it was just setting the tone but uh yeah man it's it's uh it's uh it's going you know one of the guys had to move out he's in poland now but there is you know the, the good thing with the if you can call it a good thing, is that hmm. the guy who stayed there, they, he was training with me before he had to join the military. But okay. uh, in, in the space of three months, he trained more with me than he did for 10 years, you know? Oh, wow. Because yeah, yeah. he was like doing two, three times a week class. And, and that was the, the, the plus side of like having Zoom, you know, and, and the, have, you, exactly. have you been working on Zoom as well or? <clears throat> Oh yeah, all my classes now uh, are Zoom. You know, I have I have uh, my two locations in Los Angeles. We ended up having to close doors, and then I have a student who teaches for me in Minnesota, uh, and then uh, one of my students moved back to Thailand. So I have all these people. I have people on the East Coast, the people here, people in San Francisco and Daly City, all of whom train with me on Zoom, and. You know, the numbers are less than before, but I just, there's so much consistency. And, and again, it's, it's, there are people who would never, who would never be able to train with me are now able to train with me, um, regardless of where they are. So that's, I know that whenever I go back to teaching in a space, I'm still going to have my computer there and be broadcasting on Zoom. Yeah, I think it's gonna, it's gonna change like the whole, the whole, the whole setting of this because... The guys were already telling me like within a month of Zoom, like thinking that soon we would go back to normal. He said, but actually now you can, we all can have, you know, teaching the class at the same time. And we could be doing a class in Barcelona or, you know, in Scotland or, you know, in Iran. And, and the guys could be doing. 
and uh, it's uh, it's interesting because you have to think slightly different in the sense mm -hmm. that how you pass the, the the movements. A lot of people here will put off because they live in small places. They don't really have you know the space, but also yes. how you work ideas, you know, and, and like you said, the consistency. I have like some, some student, I have a student that she never really trained uh, once, well, more than once a week, you know, and now mm -hmm. she's on like on a four times a week as sometimes five six you know like uh, and 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 uh, also the music we've been doing like short music sessions and it, it's just you know it's not many people but just we, we're training things that we wouldn't train before like we would we are doing like music like they lead the songs you know and uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing to see of those few people who are working how much they're actually like they are getting better, you know, because if, if they can get past this, this, oh, it's different. It's not the same. Yeah. But if you, if you can understand that there is value and that you can grow by, by putting into it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a game changer, you know? And uh, I think a lot of people didn't really have the habit, the routine of training on their own. Yeah, and that, and that yeah. becomes like difficult, you know. If you have to suddenly you are just used to the energy of everyone together, the sweat, the music, and then having to stare at a computer, it's uh, it's different. But if you already had the, the the habit of training on your own, you know, it's definitely definitely opens opens a lot of a lot of avenues. Yeah, man. And what about you? When did you actually start it? Like how how was your relationship with Capoeira started? Oh gosh, so um, you know I was I was raised in the martial arts. Both of my parents are martial artists, and uh, so I started with Chinese martial arts when I was four years old. Didn't even speak English, uh, and then uh, Aikido, uh, basically Aikido and Tai Chi Chuan until I was in college. And first year in college, about the second half of that first year, Ejna, uh, who was in New York, who's also a master of Shotokan Karate, at that time she was still in Grupo Senzala. So she comes to L.A. for the World Shotokan Karate Championships. And she stayed... That was 91, 91, 92, 91. So she was here and she did a couple of folkloric shows and taught a series of workshops around the LA area. And my friends and I went to all of her workshops and just trained and trained and trained. We even went to her tournament at UCLA for Shotokan afterwards. Um, and then when she left, uh, we were just, we, we needed that fix. <laughs> it was in the blood. We were, had fallen in love with the art. And so there are 30 of us, uh, who kept looking for for some way to train, and we would get together and and do what we could. But then we found out about Missy Amin, uh, who was in Santa Monica, which was about thirty miles, thirty five miles from where I went to undergrad. So we got a hold of him and got some space uh, at the colleges, and pooled our money together so that we could get him to come. So either he or one of his students would come and teach every week. Uh, and so I've been 
I started off in Grupo Senzala and then fairly short, fairly shortly afterwards, uh, became a member of Capora Batuki, uh, under Mestre Amain. So this is, this is coming up on year 30, uh, for me. And, um, uh, it's, it's definitely been, it's one of those things that has never, I've only stopped, uh, because of injury. And even then, you know, you play music, you, you do what you can, but it's never been, it's the martial arts has never been something that has seemed to be a choice. It's like, you know, you wake up, you take a shower. It's not a choice you make. You just know that you have to take a shower or something's not going to be right. You eat breakfast or you eat lunch, whatever. You breathe. Those are just things that you do. And martial arts has always been that for me. And capoeira is the one that I ended up settling on, even though I've trained and I still train you know, Kung Fu, Muay Thai. Um, I cross-trained BJJ um, to be a well-rounded uh, fighter. But all of those techniques still fit within the the mentality and the uh, situational awareness that capoeira brings. So even in, in learning other martial arts or training other martial arts, they still fit within what is capoeira to me, you know? Yeah, that's, that's great. And you, you said you, you, you were born in North Africa, was it Tunisia? Uh, Tunisia. I was actually born in Detroit, but we, I was only there for two months. And then we moved to Egypt. Uh, and then to Egypt during the, just before the October war started. And so we were there for 73, exactly. Uh, Syria and Egypt ganged up on Israel and Israel had American, uh, weapons and said, nope, we're not going to take it. And so struck back, uh, and unfortunately they weren't attacking just military, uh, targets. They were attacking, you know, whoever they could. So, you know, when the house, maybe four doors down, got bombed, uh, my parents were like, we got to go. So we moved to Beirut. And at that time, they called Beirut the Paris of the Middle East. You know, and then uh, the civil war started. And so we moved to Malta and then settled back in Tunis. Um, and then four years old, come back to the States just before I turned five. Uh, and I've been here here since in the U.S. Uh, and mm -hmm. Arabic is my first language. Berber, Nafusi, the uh, Tunisian dialect of Berber, uh, was my second. And then English, and shortly thereafter French, then Thai and Japanese. You're the man of uh, I never seen a, a nickname that fits so well. Versace, like so many. Martial arts skills and, and, the, and the, so many languages. And the, it's, it's really funny to see when we were in Bali and you were speaking to this Japanese lady and to see her face reaction like, like it, it couldn't really, like, I think <laughs> it must happen sometimes that people sometimes they don't, they don't acknowledge that you're speaking their home language and they answer back to you in English. I remember a friend of mine used to be really upset because he managed to, to learn Bahasa And, and uh, he would speak, mm -hmm. but, you know, he was like blonde dreadlocks. And then the, 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 the people wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't even, uh, like, acknowledge that and would answer in English. And then he would speak in Bahasa again. Like, <laughs> and, like, I, like, he would get really upset. <laughs> but uh, but um, it's, uh, it's, uh, that's, uh, that's a cool uh, uh, mixture of, of uh, influences and... and uh, 
you you go back much i mean you were you were quite small in tunis because the north africa is is a very Mm-hmm. culturally rich on music you know like the influence that they had on, on famous bands and stuff like this it's very much amazing. so i um i didn't go back most of my life uh until the year before last so we have a, we have a branch of our group in dubai and so every time i go there uh i myself uh and somebody messing with tempo will go and run the bachizados there and uh after that, I usually go someplace else in the Middle East. So I went back to Beirut one year. And then this year before last, I went back to Tunis and spent maybe two weeks there. It wasn't long enough. But I I got an, uh, an Airbnb in a villa that was really close to my old neighborhood. And I talked to my father and my uncles for about three weeks before going and took as many notes to just to find out where to go and where family friends were. And... Uh, I kind of just retraced their steps and started getting kind of used to it. And, you know, when I'm in the U.S., uh, you know, even though I'm mixed, I I definitely present to most people as African-American. But when I go to Europe, people are like, some people are like, okay, you're African-American. Some people are like, oh, you're Moroccan? Uh, And then I'm like, no, I'm Tunisian and African-American. But as soon as I get off the plane in Tunis, half the people look like they could be my cousin. So that was also a really weird experience to just kind of blend into the population uh in that way it actually happens to me in brazil too yeah i'm sure yeah just to be one more in the crowd so this is so uh sorry um no i thought i was gonna say this is one of the things i wanted to to ask you which is in a way like a sensitive kind of question because we all know, you know, with the George Floyd and, and all the riots that have been happening, and mm-hmm. it's just this like, it's like an eruption, right? The pressure builds up over so long, and then when it bursts, it just it just keeps going. But, and I, I'm sure you have your share fair of of also traveling, you know, going through customs and stuff. You have your share fair of of experience and stories to tell but did, did you did you spend time in in brazil as well did you go to brazil and spend time there oh yeah uh i've been to brazil three times each time it was it was really about three weeks each time um i wanted to go for about three months but because of work you know it's, it's expensive and um you know i i came from a working class family so uh you know i didn't have that uh, financial undergirding uh, to be able to take long trips or anything like that. So uh, couldn't stay too long. You say you would compare, uh, you know, being uh, an African-American in, in, in the U.S., you know, and traveling mm-hmm. and how you, you know, the experience you had there and how does that co- compare to going to Brazil? Because in a way, I would say it's, I would imagine it's similar, but at the same time, different, no? How, how does that? There are a lot of similarities and a lot, a lot of differences. I think, um, you know, both countries have this ethos that they advertise outwardly. Um, you know, the United States says that they are the, the land of opportunity and the great melting pot. And Brazil also says that, oh, we're, we're the country where everybody's mixed and there's no racial friction, but... When you get here or when you get there, you know, the United States or Brazil, you realize that things are a lot more complex. Um, you look at, um, you know, genetic data of Brazilians and 
I think it's what, 80% of Brazilians have some African descendancy, uh, regardless of where you are. Um, but there's still definitely this huge racial hierarchy, depending on even the shade um, and multiple terms for, for different shades and, and references for what that means. Uh, and, you know, there's even in the media and representation, there's you're, you're still lucky to find you know, dark skilled, dark skinned Brazilians uh, being able to play significant roles. Yeah. In in TV shows. And it's, it's similar in the United States. It's it's only recently that uh, you find black actors who are actually of darker skin with kinkier hair. It used to only be that you had light skinned uh, actors and especially light skinned actresses. Um, and, you know, it's it's so it's it's very similar, very, very similar, although both countries would like to not admit that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very touchy, you know, thing, a subject, uh, because it just shows all the, the, you know, the gaps on, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the standard slogans and what actually happens, right? And uh, I remember a good friend of mine who, you know, was a big, black, strong guy, and uh, he had like, he, he moved to Denmark, right? And like I said, man, Jim, you 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 stick out like a, a star in the night. How how bad is it there? You know, and he said something that at the time it kind of shocked me. He said, in Brazil is much worse. And I I didn't like I said, really? Say, yeah, man, like look, there was one time in the little village that this little kid said, Mommy, what is it? You know, that was the worst I I, I got. But in Brazil, I went to meet my my girlfriend's mother in a dinner, and she didn't speak with me for the the whole time. She just stood quiet, you know. And and yeah. uh, it's things because like it, it's a story. If you don't if you don't <clears throat> if you don't have the skin, you won't know what it is. You can kind of it's like the same idea yes. as the favela. You can have an idea that of course this happens, and it's not like you know I was always with capoeira friends in the car and you know in any mm-hmm. given night if i had three you know black friends in the car it would be uh, uh, uh we would be stopped three four times by police you know and police yeah, yeah. in brazil uh, you know uh, in police in brazil is a whole new level you know like uh, times of like not being able to communicate with the policeman at midnight because the police was like you know, like so with a machine gun and not be able to talk and <laughs> trying to keep you cool. And also because when you go in a favela, you know, to drop somebody out. So you, it's a, it was a standard kind of procedure. You would be stopped, you know, sometimes they would, you know, but, but, uh, but uh, even, even though, you know, it's just like those little things. Like if you, we, a couple of years later, we were at the beach with, I was with my brother, this friend of mine was, and another friend who's, who's also, you know, uh, Afro-Brazilian. And we, we walked, okay, man, let's, let's go into this uh, restaurant that's like by the, the Avenida Atlântica in Leme, you know, and it's open bar, you can go on, on your beach costume and stuff. And when we stepped in there, the whole bar, like, just there wow. at, at, at us. And, and, the, and then I realized, like, these are the only guys that are black that are in a restaurant, you know, even though like the, it doesn't mean because also 
race is a social construct in the sense that for mm -hmm. many Americans, most of the guys in the bar were not white either. But you know, in Brazil, they were right, right, white. And and and, uh, but you know what I mean? Like you, it's 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 very. He ends up being like a social, you know, like it's, it's to do with money, but most of the people who don't have mm -hmm. money and, and in a sense in the US, you see more, you see more, you know, uh, uh, I would say affluence, you know, not often, but yes. you see people with, you know, it, it wouldn't be, what is strange is when you, you walk in a place and how segregated the actual place are mm -hmm. in the sense that you can be in one block and then you cross a couple of blocks and it's totally different and and yes uh, yes it's not just between black and white but also among the different rich and poor yeah and, and different like one would be like the russian neighborhood and then italian and it's it's mm -hmm. uh, that was uh, uh an idea that for me was was really really strange and uh yeah, man, this whole this whole thing, how how the right has been coming up again, and kind of nitpicking the inconsistency of and the failures of what has happened so now to to actually divide people further, and yes. it's it's a it's a kind of a minefield, right? Because you can you know like the 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 everybody picks up on a slogan right like this like on my son's xbox fifa game that's like there's no place for racism it's, it's, it's there already you know but right, right. but uh, like what does it actually mean on the ground you know and and so it's uh it's uh it's a uh, difficult times you know but i i think like i like to say that the capoeira is the antidote you know because mm. it's, it, oh, it grew out of everything that it, it you know like if you think about slavery and how it was like divisive because in a way yes. it's is it's is the how you say is the embryonic state of capitalism right like to, to separate people exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, and now today we are all you know people are against unions like because when you're union you like it's the idea of social class i think you know right yes uh, uh, so capoeira is the natural antidote of that because what are used to be put to separate even even the the the, mm -hmm. the people that were enslaved they would have different jobs and they would envy each other with the jobs and even the guy who, who exactly who is the enforcer right he would be you know black and so it, it's it's uh it really forces me even though i i i wouldn't say that i am a marxist at all but i think that it makes so much so much more sense if when you look through the lens of social class right totally i mean that's 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 because i think in terms of, of math and and history um that's where it starts uh if you look at i mean there's there there really aren't white people and there really aren't black people there are people from different places in africa who don't know where they are from in many cases because that they weren't allowed to teach each other that although in brazil and other places um in south america that knowledge is kept a bit more strongly than in the united states where folks have no idea and there's no place called white there's no white people white people come from europe and there are portuguese people there are dutch people there are german people there are, you know so these are all constructs made specifically to keep working class white folks and working class black folks and working class natives, at least in the United States context, 
from working together because then they had the power to organize against the corporate rich class, the rich uh, landowners, the, the landed gentry, as they were called at that time. And so they created these social uh, construct of, well, you, you Irish people who are, who are indentured servants, you're getting similar treatment to the black folks, but you're not the same. And that's why, because you're white like us. And they were like, what's white? <laughs> white means that you need to choose us over them, even though economically you have much more in common with black folks. And uh, you know, Bacon's Rebellion in United States history is an example of that, when black, poor blacks and poor whites were able to gain power uh, and, and have uh, a seat at the table in government and were shut down through this um, white suprematism being put into action but it was at the service of corporate and economic power. So you're right. You're very right. It's it's a, it it all comes down to who has the money. Yeah, and and this is why I think it's so important for people to, to look at at the, our elders. You know, like the people who have struggled before. You know, I don't know if you heard. I haven't watched it, but I'm I'm I I, I heard. Uh, podcast about the black messiah this film is coming out mm -hmm. you, you have you watched it already no i haven't watched it but i i, I almost watched it tonight yeah. no, <laughs> i'll be man, watching it soon i mean the black panthers is is such an amazing story you know like fred hampton that guy at 21 you know like and and that's the term that they use to to describe we don't want a, a black messiah and and you look you know it's it's so But I mean, it's not funny because, you know, stuff, it's not by chance, you know, stuff is right. here by design. And uh, yes. so like growing up in Brazil and, and my first idea of my first experience of what it was anarchist, how anarchist would be uh, uh, described or mm -hmm. how the Black Panthers would be described, you know, like watching films and uh, Black Panthers, it, in the films was just like these cop killers that, you know, crazy band on, on revenge and that kind of thing. But when you actually, you know, you, you look at what Fred Hampton said and how, you know, we, we, we should work together, you know, with, yes. with, the, with the different classes, because like the system just mm -hmm. like brings all those down and it, the tactical, reaction is to actually no 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 we bond together regardless of of race we're gonna we're gonna organize and then we're gonna bond and and i think that's why it was such a threat you know and, and it, like yes, you said yes if you do look at the history you know of like and this is why i love so much like uh, uh what's his name uh oh god he has a uh, dave uh, as zen Right, the, the uh, uh, yes, Howard Zinn. Howard Zinn, yeah, Howard Zinn, and and the, how they they say how immigration was used to to always go against the labor movement. Every time they would like start organized for better ways, and then they would bring the Irish or they would bring the Italians or you know just keep bringing it, and then use the racism to to avoid people, you know. And it's uh, it's. Uh, It's yeah, it's it's a system that it was it has been designed to 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 divide, isn't it? And mm -hmm. how we, we we have to think about as 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 capoeira, you know, we have to be capoeira. You know, I was talking to a, a young Indonesian 
friend of mine, a student of mine, and you know, in Indonesia is there is this whole history that I never I never heard about. You know, the the genocide that they have there and. 65 and there is a big of taboo you know the act of killing i don't know if you watch that documentary it's uh no crazy the 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 act of killing is about basically the 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 guy goes there and uh he tries to to look into some key national heroes you know and mm -hmm. they and he goes as like he's interested in finding his history and said so what did you do tell me what did you do and he, he and the guys they start opening up and saying what they did and how they how would they would kill the the so communists you know and yeah and the, through the, through the documentary some of the guys as they describe they start realizing what they actually done you know it's kind of a it's a really crazy kind of a psychoanalysis and then they, yes. they it's it's a crazy story like because they they first on the sheer number they only know they only know how many people was by the census that you know how decreased the population you know how much the decrease was and but so it was a documentary that was uh forbidden to be put in the cinemas in Indonesia and stuff but yeah it's a lot of things that you 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 don't you don't really learn in in school and and it's 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 not by it's not by chance you know and I think that <laughs> no not at all you know in Capoeira we it really gets I think as I get old older is how we need to not just take Capoeira in the context of oh yeah it's a sport we can do this we can do that but if you don't really look at the essence where it came from and, and how you can apply it there, I don't think you are, you know, doing, you're not really being capoeira as I think one should, you know, maybe I'm being a bit preachy, but. You're preaching to the choir. Uh, I agree. I think, I think that's one of the things that that's always drawn me to, to your work and your footsteps in, in, in capoeira uh, because it, it is, it's, it's, it's an example of that that action, uh, trying to and and it doesn't have to be that we have to start a revolution, but just in educating people and just in bringing people together, introducing people to one another, um, and and explaining our histories in a truthful way, you know, we're able to really to re-educate and to have people kind of see outside of the constructs that they were raised in. Um, and, and that's that's the work that we can do. Yeah, and, and I think that's why it's so important for, for us to to keep in touch and to, to keep track of each other is doing. Because what I what I, I notice is, is something that uh, uh, the other guy that I, I, I really like, uh, Noam Chomsky, what he says mm -hmm. is that a lot of the a lot of the, the issues is that there are so many initiatives happening and they are happening parallel to each other and not interconnected so yes it's so important for us to 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 know what is happening because it doesn't mean that we have to start and this was the thing with with uh, going back again to Capura Solidare is you know you have this idea well, I want to I want to initially I was like I want to help funds start some Capoeira social project in Brazil Mm -hmm. But then you thought like, wait, what is actually happening in Brazil? Right. You know, like, so it's about find out what it is there 
and, and yeah, see yeah. what the deficiencies, what is that need, and then you know let's let's look at the, the whole thing. You know, let's let's make a database. You know what I mean, try to think more strategic because there is already so much happening, but it is 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 happening one beside the other. Every I would say that every major you know favela or community will have some kind of capoeira happening, but they are happening beside each other and. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting because so Brazil has a system where you can you know if you become like an institution you can mm -hmm. uh, get funding you know you can you can uh, receive government uh, uh, grants you can also get sponsorship from the private sector that can they can take out of the the taxes and stuff but the vast majority. Like on, I did uh, so. I, I started the research, and I have 30, 30 mapped. Well, 29, 30, I think. But out of those, seventy-five percent, they said that they didn't have any support at all. You know. Oh wow. And 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 the twenty-five percent of those who did, it, most of them meant that they were working voluntarily within a, an organization. But they were, it wasn't like that the kids had, you know, uniform or anything. Like it was already an organization. The guy was just teaching there as a, an activity of, of the, the organization. In the organization. So, but actually, Capoeira work that got together, got the, the institutionalized and received grants. I only had two, you know, and, and, uh, wow. It's, uh, you know, I mean, Capoeira is very tribal, and this is one of the reasons I, I, I'm reaching out to you because I think it's, it's about making those mm -hmm. connections and, and giving the chance to somebody maybe listening to this that maybe knows of a project and maybe you know can get that project mapped initially. Uh, it's it's that uh, God, I lost my <laughs> my channel of thought there. Uh, being able to cross those borders and and to coordinate more yeah it's it's uh i will come back to me but uh but uh yeah it's it's, it's just there are so many oh yeah so basically what happened is, is the guy who organized he got straight away like i don't know like eighty thousand reais the hell now is really low it's like maybe $15,000, but that allowed him to pay himself for a year and feed mm -hmm. the, every after class, there would be like a, some food for the kids. And within nice. the next year, he actually started three other classes with putting his students, his instructors to teach. And they mm -hmm. were, before the pandemic hit, he had like 300, 300 kids, you know, 300 families being benefited. Wow. And, and, uh, and he eventually got... Uh, voted as a it's called conselheiro tutelar like a, like it's kind of a council member of within not not, not a congressman of the state mm -hmm. or anything like this but it's something that represents the communities of the area and and uh, just the speed that he managed to to do this you know and and it's so hard is is to make well what is not hard is just it'll take a little bit of time is to show the vast majority of guys who have been doing that work uh, 
that they always are struggling over the same issues year over year because so like it's yeah it's informal it's invisible to the state it's much harder for them to get a sponsorship they can go into the local merchant and maybe the merchant gives them a little bit of food for the event mm -hmm. but they has to run after uniforms every year the cores every year you know and and this lack this stagnation it's First, it doesn't show to the parents that the kids has, you know, it's always going to be the same. And then the kids yeah. reach the age of 15, 16, they, they have to start working again or, or start working. And, you know, they kind of leave Capoeira. And it's not that also people need to become Capoeiristas, but, uh, but uh, it's that just to, to, to be able to grow what you're doing, you know? And, and so I, I'm, I'm trying to pitch that story, you know, the success mm -hmm. story to the other guys and say, look, I know it's hard. I know that it's a little bit of expensive, you know, to, to, to get this done. But uh, from, from the look that I've done so far, I think Capoeira Solidaria should work as a middle guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Because it's also, I think, unrealistic to think that every single initiative they're gonna organize, they're gonna have like four guys sign in the constitution, and they're gonna do all the paperwork and have an accountant to hire a lawyer. You know, it's 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 a lot of a lot of work, and and this is the reason I think that most of the people haven't done. Yeah. But uh, but uh, it's it's just an attempt to to you know what I mean, like to look at the whole thing and try to to make this interaction and and at the same time building building like. Uh, ambassadors you know people who mm -hmm. know about it because initially we wanted to fund within the capoeira community and then we realized that it's it's not going to be hard it's not going to be possible because it takes a while yeah. to grow a community organically um and also like it's very hard to go beyond the natural connections of 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 the group you know so like because initially we 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 actually started this whole thing with Brazil was so desperate situation. There was no, at the time, there was no like government support. So we said, oh, let's let's do these workshops to, to raise money and we'll give like Sexta Basca, you know, food baskets mm -hmm. for the, the, the Capoeira uh, uh, groups that we, we have mapped. And we managed to, to do like 400 food baskets. The last in, in a family of four, like 15, 20 days. And we managed to do like- Beautiful six states but it's it's just a drop in the ocean right and and at the same time we don't want to be like a one-way relationship you know like here it is right take right. it you know because otherwise we are just doing the same run that they are doing every year and so the idea is to like how can we get some growth some change some transformation you know and uh, this is this is more or less what i what the what i'm doing and, and uh, then I'm, I realized that I cannot ask them to formalize their initiative if I don't formalize mine, you know. I'm... Your own. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, because everything was done informally, you know, like I was like, I, although I'm keeping everything online, you know, like on, on sanzala.co.uk, you can see like I, all the tr money transfer, money from the UK to, to Brazil, the food basket, the receipts, yeah. trying to keep everything, you know, transparent but uh yeah it just became this crazy search of of trying to gather information you know and that is i'm, I'm lucky enough to have access to people who 
who are specialists in this area, lawyers and stuff that are within the capoeira. You know, the capoeira community is so, so rich, right? So much, so many guys that knows a lot. And I think we can, we can pull a lot within this, you know, and keeping open the initiative for suggestions and stuff like this. That's why it's, it's important for me to, to speak with you about it because you are a hell of a brain. And I'm sure it, the more you know about it, there will be some, some valuable feedback, you know, on this, on this process. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, there's what you were saying about the fact that, you know, we can't really just look to our own community to, to fund things is one of the reasons I, I started my, uh, the free movement festival, uh, because one, as a capoeirista, we want to learn other modes of, of movement, but two, because when we start bringing in the dance community and other martial artists and other movement artists and and fans of that into the into our space. All of a sudden, we don't just have caporices. We have maybe seventy percent more people who are also helping to fund uh, our activities and our events. And it it grows in in being known as well as just having a, a funding base. So for me, that's been part of the solution. Yeah, man. And uh, I know it's getting, it's late there, man. If you need to go, just, just give me a shout. We can do this again. But, <laughs> but I, 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 wanna, I wanted to ask you just maybe to, to finalize. I don't know, like, if you want, we can talk for hours. <laughs> but uh, how was, like, the, the only, the, is he only the strong that uh, mm -hmm. he, he took part? You were already doing Capoeira when that happened. Is that right? Yes, yes. And this, this film, you know, it took me everywhere. You know, like the reason I went to Iran, Indonesia, it took capoeira everywhere. You know, it's such a, it was such a game changer. You know, I was also interviewing Mestre Caveirinha recently and talking about Eddie Gordo, you know, and how that helped me. In, in <laughs> yes. Explaining yes. capoeira in Scotland, you know, back in the day. But, uh, but uh, yeah, how was that impact? Did you, did, you, did you know that he was recording the film? How was, if you have any good stories about that, it would be great. I didn't until the film came out, but the but the interesting thing is, no, no, it was just like him and Mark, and you know, um, but the the beautiful thing was, you know, I I was doing capoeira, nobody knew what capoeira was, um, you know, I I could tell people that it was a, an African Brazilian martial art, and people said okay, fine, but nobody knew, and then the movie came out, and I was able to say yeah, see that's my teacher. <laughs> the guy, the teacher, the guy in the movie. Yeah, that's my teacher, and that's what I do. And folks were like, "Whoa, okay." Um, so it all of a sudden, what I did was no longer this this hidden, completely misunderstood thing. Um, and then when I it, I got to a point where I was being asked to teach classes, I wasn't a teaching belt, uh, so I asked Master, you know, there's this club here that you know, at the colleges that I went to that wanted me to teach, uh, is it okay if I, you know, go and uh, help them out? And he said, oh, go ahead and teach. You're, you, you've definitely been training a long enough time. Uh, just check in and we'll keep talking about it. Uh, and it, it, it opened those doors to be able to start my teaching experience really at, at a young age within the realm of, uh, of Capoeira experience. And yeah, it just, it meant that I didn't have to explain everything uh from the get-go you know all the groundwork had been done already 
And but how was that the impact? Because like in Brazil, it was just a film that didn't make to the cinemas. We watched like on TV, you know. Uh, how how was the impact like at the time? Did it was it big on the cinema in the US? Did it make it to the, how was that like? That's what I want. Um, I don't think it was huge, but it was known. Um, it was really one. Of, it was one of those cheesy '90s movies where you know somebody comes and finds some kids and they've got to make a difference and. You know, uh, it 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 was kind of like watching a Van Damme movie, but with a, a martial art that you, you had never seen before. Um, at the time, you know, that was kind of cool. But, you know, you look at the movie now, it didn't age very well. But at the same time, uh, it meant that people knew, knew what I did. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... It I, became part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, I mean, there were, you know, it's... it's you know, the guy didn't really speak Portuguese, but I, I guess he, he managed to give <laughs> this, this you know, this basic idea, you know, and it really captivated the, the, the attention of, of a whole generation, man. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it, it did such, such a, a, a boost to Capoeira because I, I keep thinking of like how, how to, to, to get Capoeira more mainstream or not, more, not mainstream on because on, it has like a negative connotation, but just to get more people to know about it, you know? And, and uh, you know, there's, there's been some attempts to go in towards competitions and, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a subject that a lot of, a lot of Capoeiristas feel very strongly against. Um, I am more on a, a pragmatic approach. I think, look, if it's if it's mm -hmm. gonna help promote capoeira, it's it's good. You, we gotta look at the lessons of the Eastern martial arts in the '60s and '70s and how they, you know, managed to to get what they they are. But capoeira is it's not really a martial art per se. But the point is, like, how do you get more uh, more people into it? And I think, like, it's it's about having a good story about it, right? Like, it's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you had, remember, what was that? Uh, Oceans, was it Oceans 12? Uh, where Tarubi and uh, Giacomo and a couple of folks, you know, bodied for that, that same character that was going through the laser fence using capoeira. Like, be, finding ways to, uh, to integrate capoeira into, into movies that aren't necessarily capoeira movies or even TV shows uh, as part of uh, a character's backstory um, you know, Latif Crowder uh, being in that Tony Jaa movie, uh, that, 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 that fight scene in the, in the temple where the water's coming down, like more of that, I think, is, is finding ways to place it in media uh, and in stories is, is really, I think, the best way. The, the martial arts scenario as well, like uh, I, was, I was a bit... The fight with uh, the Spider-Man, uh, what's his name? The Spider. He gave like a ponteira. Oh, yeah, to, Silva. To, uh, Anderson Silva. He gave the ponteira in the yeah. guy, in the Brazilian guy's head and the guy dropped. And then he goes and thanks the, the guy, what's it, the, the actor. And, and uh, at the same time, you know, McGregor, you know, you, you, he mm -hmm. went on the Conan program and he gave yeah, the yeah. And I was like, man, the Irish is helping promote more capoeira than the, the actually the, the the Brazilian guy, you know? And, and the, but yeah, it's, it's great to see capoeira being respected by, 
by the, the you know the, the 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 martial art community, MMA community, because I always thought that you know how Capoeira uh, um, gives you the notion that you really need in a fight, which is the notion of time, and notion of distance. It doesn't yes. mean that you're gonna yeah. start jinga, you know. But exactly, and maybe that's the problem because you look at only the strong, and and the fight scenes are all like this. But did you ever see the film Madame Sata? I have not. I have not. I have to. It's it's a classic, but in that movie, really the sense of capoeira was the luta. So you saw him throwing habujaha, you saw him cabezada, but it was not. It was. It didn't look like the game. It looked like really how you would use capoeira to look like. Oh, excuse me, I'm falling down, and then all of a sudden you've knocked the other person down, um, in a real malandro, um, fighting for your life sense. And I think that's also another thing that's that's missing. Maybe because so many capoeiristas themselves honestly don't know how capoeira would, would apply in a fight, or you know, I, I I think as well like it's it's about imagining the shot, you know, like or how to yeah. put in the context because it's the same for me. It's the same idea as if you want to put in a competition, it's it's an opportunity to to get capoeira to be seen by other people. And what is amazing about capoeira is the magic that it happens in the roda mm -hmm. and so the competition has to work around capoeira and not the other way around you know if you're yes, gonna have yes. a roda where there's a line of people here a line of people there and something there you are just like that's not the way if you if you i i don't like this word to sell capoeira you know to sell capoeira right is to capture what is happening there and this is so hard to with cameras, you no, know, I've been thinking so much like, okay, where you would you place a camera? How you would mm -hmm. film the details? And and it's a, it's one of the attempts that you know my my cousin uh, Itapuã Berama have done, you know, of like just putting the yeah. video and showing the idea of the game, you know, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I think it's it's there's a lot to to and also for fighting scenes, you know. Mm -hmm. Have you have you been to China at all with Capoeira? Um, not with Capoeira. I know. I know a lot of the folks there. I've taught in. I've taught in Taiwan, uh, but I haven't made it to mainland China. I've been invited, uh, but I haven't made it yet. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice community. You you have you met uh, Jamaica? Jamaica is from no. Capoeira Brazil. He's like a big black guy, and he's he's a, he's an actor there. He's a martial art actor. Oh wow! I did, I did a I did a, 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 a interview with him because. He he he's also like you, like knows a lot of other martial arts. He's he's the best. He's the most famous foreign uh, actor because he's fluent in both uh, Mandarin and Cantonese. And uh, wow, and, uh, amazing! He does a lot of 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 the, those fight scenes, you know. And you know, is is the idea is like you know doing the film in China to maybe try to do something in the U.S. eventually, I think. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, yeah. So he was talking about like you have to imagine the fight scene and pitch the idea, you know, and like how it would work because for the guy, it's it, it's all about how you you put in a camera, right? Yeah, so, yeah. It's amazing, man. I, I think I, I I'm gonna let you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got to got to get up in a few hours to uh, have some meetings over here. So uh, yeah, man. But yeah, right, I mean, let's do this again. Let's let's definitely, man. It's it's uh, it's been a good uh, a good uh, a good conversation and and uh, yeah, a wide variety of of 
of stuff. And it was good to catch up, man. Thanks very much for your, your, your time. And uh, yeah, let's, Thank let's you, uh, keep, keep in touch. And uh, yeah, I want to share some stuff, like some of the stuff I've been listening to, and it would be good to, to, to have the same from you, like it's, you know, just, just to, to get the mind, keep the mind wandering. <laughs> let's do it, brother. Valeu. Thank you very much, man. Obrigado. Valeu, Axé. De nada. Tchau, tchau. E papai chama, depois me chama. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Contramesh Versace. We'll probably make another one soon. You know, it's a, it's a big time lap, gap between UK and LA. It's eight hours, so it was midnight there, eight o'clock here. But we'll definitely try to do it again. And uh, just before you go, just to give you a quick update on the Capoeira Solidaria project. Um, you know, I've been reaching out to not just Capoeira teachers that have projects, but also people that are linked to projects either helping raising funds or people who have already set up institutions or, or NGOs and the, the path ahead that's the most sensible one for us to do is to institutionalize, formalize our initiative in Brazil because basically it opens a, a different stream revenues for the project you know we can we can make use of some laws in brazil and uh, also for the fact that you know as we map the different initiatives we realize that most of them are informal you know and they're so invisible to the private sector or the government and we are telling them look we'll probably say look you should look into formalize and if we as initiative not formal you know not institutionalized we we're not in a good place to you know we have we have to set the example i guess you know and also to, to operate things are getting to a level that it will not run in the way that it has been running and uh you know this project has always been following the the gut feeling like we needed to do something we felt like obliged that we needed to act and we, we just act we start acting the way we, we we saw as most fit and the approach has always been the same you know make an assessment and then of the situation make a plan and act and if that didn't work we'll reevaluate what didn't work make another plan and act and that's how we've been doing you know and uh, we we trying to do everything in a very transparent way you know how we have raised the money you can find out everything is there on GoFundMe how the transfers work how we spend the money on the food baskets and now we are starting to think more mid-term long-term plans and at the same time now we are I'm on the process of setting up a team in Brazil that will be helping you know a president, vice president, a group of, of uh, advisors, you know, people. I have connection with so many people who have been doing this work for a while and they are very excited as well and keen to help. So it's, I feel very, very lucky to have those connections and, and I think Capoeira Solidarity is going to play gradually, you know, a bigger and bigger role. And that was it, guys. I hope you guys enjoy it. Don't forget to leave your comments, share with your friends, and subscribe. All the best. I share.